they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, November the 5th. It is the first Friday of November. What does that mean, Mary? It's dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Exactly. And Mary, what, what are we doing tomorrow that's so special, the first Saturday? Tomorrow's the first Saturday, and Our Lady at Fatima asks to offer the first Saturdays in, uh, in reparation for the sins committed against her Immaculate Heart. And at Fatima, Our Lady also asks for reparation for the sins committed against Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. She asked through the angel who came a year before and taught the children how to pray prayers of reparation. And, you know, it's amazing, the Fatima message, very concisely, you know, do your duty, give up your sins, turn back to God, pray the rosary for world peace, pray for the conversion of sinners, do penance for the conversion of sinners, and and make reparation to God for the, the these things that offend him. Yeah. So uh, that fits right in with our show today. And, and so going to confession, receiving Holy Communion is really important for this weekend, correct? Absolutely. On the first Friday and the first Saturday, there's an indulgence attached and... Um, there's a special, the first, the first Fridays have a, um, the five first Fridays, Jesus promised that those who keep, excuse me, the nine first Fridays, it's nine first Fridays, nine consecutive first Fridays, that they will go to mass and communion and confession and make reparation to the most sacred heart of Jesus for the lack of love with which he is treated, mm-hmm. that Jesus will assist them at the hour of their death, that the grace is needed, that they will have salvation. And the five first Saturdays, which um, we honor in, we offer in honor of our Blessed Mother. And in honoring Our Lady, we're honoring God, and we're, we're acknowledging the, the good and the beauty and the, the glorious work that God has accomplished in her. And we make reparation for the sins committed against her Immaculate Heart. Because when we do not acknowledge the work that God has done in her, we're actually, actually not, not acknowledging God's work. We're, we're actually sinning against God. So she asked that people would go to Mass and Communion, and confession on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, and that was she appeared from May to October, five consecutive months to the children at Fatima on the right. 13th of the month. But she asked for the first Saturdays. And then in addition to that, that you spend 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. So not just 15 minutes praying them, but actually 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries. And this is what we should always do when we pray the rosary. We should be thinking about the mysteries. These are the mysteries of our salvation. The rosary is the gospel in miniature. It's, it's the gospel. On, you know, it, it, it's a way that, that the Lord has given us. It's like the Psalms. You know, the Jews paid the Psalms every single day. Well, the, the rosary, is, it's a prayer chain. And it's as we pray the Hail Marys, which are the words that God gave to the angel. These are God's words, not mine. We, we think about the mysteries, the, the salvation that God has wrought through, through Jesus Christ and through the cooperation of Mary, his mother. Yeah. God made himself dependent on Our Lady, just as he makes himself dependent on us. God redeemed us without our consent. He made us without our consent. Right. Jesus came and died on the cross. He didn't ask anybody, you know, are you okay with this? But we cannot be saved without our consent. Okay, we need to cooperate in the work of God. And in that sense, God doesn't save anybody who won't say yes to God. He's not going to save you against your own will. So if we set our will against God, God will totally respect that. And that's something we want to talk about in today's show. That's where I was just leading repentance. (laughs) I mean, mercy comes from repentance. That's a very biblical theme. 
Yes, it is. Is that and so I'm but thanks for sharing that first Friday, first Saturday devotion because you know it's so important that we know and we actually live that Fatima message. And what you said about the daily duty, oh my goodness, you know, it's so simple yet profound. It is, it is. And again, being a saint is not complex. You know, being holy is not complex. It's simple. Now, simple doesn't equal easy, yeah. all right? It's an arduous task. I remember once I was having a conversation with some young people, and I said, we're supposed to strive to think about God all the time and to be consciously aware of his presence. Mm-hmm. And one of them said, that's too hard. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's, yes, it's hard. I, I grant that. It's hard. It's difficult. It means to put aside my own daydreams and my own worthless pursuits that I, you know, yeah. all of this inner dialogue that I carry on in my head and, and to stop thinking of myself as so great and having such wonderful insights and being so wonderful and start thinking about how wonderful God is. Amen. Mary, can I just give a comment from a cardinal? I read this to you this week and it's such a, talking about saints Here's what a cardinal uh, from Italy said back in the early 70s. He said, the saints are the only people who remain calm and undisturbed in the midst of worldly adversity. (laughs) They are always content because they live in God. (laughs) Their lives are in full conformity with his will, guided by his love, dedicated to his service. And as a result, they live in a kind of spiritual stratosphere far above the storm's of this world there they are above the clouds of pride ambition avarice and all the other major vices there they see and contemplate everything in the light of god and then he ends but what you just said let us become saints then we shall solve all the problems of life well said cardinal amen if souls are saved everything is saved yeah, bishop sheen if souls are lost everything is lost amen so we want to talk today about this repentance and and how do we go about doing this? And I actually want to start today with the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter three. Now in the Catholic Bible, in Daniel chapter three, between uh, verses 24 and um, verse 23 and 24, you have this insert of these two prayers, the prayers of Azariah in the furnace, and then you have what are called the, the hymns, the song of the three young men in the furnace. But I want to focus today on the prayer of Azariah. And just to give the background, you know, God came and he told his people, this is the way you are to live. I am your God. You worship me and I will bless you. If you worship me, I will bless you and and I will defeat your enemies if you're faithful to me. Well, um, after David, the kingdom was divided and it was split into 10 10 tribes in the north and then two tribes in the south. Mm -hmm. And so in the north, the kings in the north were afraid that if they allowed the people to go to Jerusalem like they were supposed to for the feast every year, they would go back to being loyal to the king of David's line. Mm-hmm. So they set up, they set up a, um, their own religion. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship anymore. We'll set up our altars here in, in, in northern Israel. And, and you can just worship here and you can worship. And they started worshiping false gods and falsely. So they strayed and they were taken, the northern kingdoms were taken into exile. And then eventually you did have a few good kings in the south, especially King Hezekiah. When he became king, he returned the proper worship to Israel. He restored it. He got rid of the false gods, which again, you know, you had the same problem in the southern kingdom. It's 
it's just like under the judges, you know, the, the people of Israel would stray from God and then he'd send a judge and the judge would tell them, this is what you have to do. Repent and go back to God. So they repent and go back to God under the judge and under that judge, they would stay and they'd worship God properly and they would keep the commandments and, and then, and then boom, they, the judge would die and they'd go off and they'd act like they're, they're neighbors. And this yeah. is what, this is always a difficulty. Mm-hmm. I just want to be like my neighbor. Yeah. I just want to fit in. I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. Well, when they were doing that, they were worshiping false gods. Mm-hmm. So God would deliver them into the hands of their enemies. And then they would cry out to God and then the judge would come and then the people would repent. And it's, it's a constant cycle and it's important. It's instructive for us to know this. This is true. These are true. They're not just stories like a made up story. Although many made up stories have a moral to them. These stories are real stories. And it's a story of how God is constantly pursuing us and calling us to repentance. And if we follow his law, he blesses us. Well, eventually the Southern kingdom of Israel became so corrupt that God allowed them to be carried off into exile. And when they were in exile up there in Babylon, um, I believe it was Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. Anyway, they, um, yeah, it was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Yeah, he came and took, he came to Jerusalem and he, he took, carried it away, carried away the vessels of the temple. He carried, he, you know, the only thing he left in the land was the poor. He left the poor people there. <laughs> funny thing. That's funny. But he carried off some nobles. And among those nobles, you know, this is the book of Daniel. Daniel was one of them. And then there was Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael. And they had been faithful to the Lord. These four men, as a matter of fact, they were chosen to be part of the king's court. And they refused to eat the meat at, and the, the food that was brought to them because that, that, that food was um, contaminated with the sacrifice to their false gods. Mm-hmm. And so with Daniel, Daniel in the lead, Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael, and Daniel said, no, just feed us vegetables and water. And the, the steward said, well, if I do that, you're going to look emaciated and you're going to look poorly and, and I'll get in trouble with the king. And they said, okay, fine. Give us a 10-day trial. If after 10 days we look like we're starving, then we'll give in and we'll go ahead and eat from the <laughs> king's table. Well, they weren't. No. And they looked much better than the other young It was healthy for them. It was healthy for them. Hey, Barbara. For, uh, Barbara sorry. My, <laughs> I was Barbara McWiggin. It's my wife this time. Sorry, guys. Before we um, take a quick break, I want to tease everybody about the spiritual warfare conference that's coming up on the 29th and 30th of January. We are having a a large group of people coming. We've got more seats. So we got a bigger facility at St. Joseph's in Pomona. And if you want to come to that, go to vmpr.org. You can sign up for the conference now. I can't promise you in the future because we've got four or 500 people coming and 400 of them already registered. So I would encourage you to do that quickly by going to vmpr.org or calling 877-526-2151. Mary Danielle is here. We're talking uh, about mercy and repentance of the Bible. She's got a great story in the Bible. Many of you have read it. You'll know the end of the story. But it is powerful about um, eating, you know, just vegetables versus meat. And we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, you're, again, this is the Bible with the Barbers. Uh, we will be back after a quick break with more about what the Bible has to say about mercy and about repentance. And you'll stay with us, family, because this is a Bible study that people have been asking for. And we're happy to do that. We'll be right back. 
Stay with us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, November 5th, the first Friday of November. Remember to honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus in a particular way on this Friday. This is what he has asked for. So we're talking about the book of Daniel, and we're talking about how... um, God had given to his people a law and he promised to keep, you know, he made a covenant with his people and he promised to protect his people and bless them if they would keep his covenant. And whenever they broke his covenant, he would deliver them over to their enemies. And that's, you know, the, the covenant curses are written in Deuteronomy 28, 64 through 68 and 29, 27 through 28. They actually extend a little further than that in Deuteronomy. If it's, it's Deuteronomy 28, if you start at verse 58 already, he says, if you're not careful to do all these works of this law, which are written in this book, and then God goes on to warn them what's going to happen if you don't do this. So we're looking at Daniel's, uh, this, the book of Daniel, and as Daniel isn't the only character in here. There's also, as uh, there, well, there's the King Nebuchadnezzar in his court, and, and Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They're all, the four young Jewish nobles, Daniel, Ananiah, and Azariah, and Mishael, they stand out among all the others who were captured because they refuse to break the laws. They are being heroically faithful to the covenant of the Lord in this land of exile. And so being part of the king's court, then they were supposed to eat from the king's table. But the foods at the king's table were, first of all, some of them forbidden. Pork was forbidden for the Jews to eat. But also some of them were involved in the sacrifices to the the gods, the Babylonians. So Daniel says, no, we won't do that. We want to just eat vegetables and, and drink water. We, they didn't even drink the wine from the king's table. They just drank water. And so the steward said, well, if I do that, I'm going to get in trouble. And Daniel said, well, give us a 10-day trial. If we look emaciated at the end of 10 days, fine, we'll eat the meat. They didn't look emaciated. They looked much better than the others. They were, more, were healthier mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. <laughs> than all the other young men that the king had chosen to serve in his court. But eventually what happens is there's, you know, there's a trial, and that is that uh, Nebuchadnezzar decides to set up this statue of himself that everybody's supposed to worship. And Ananias, Ezra, and Mishael refuse to worship it. So they're going to be thrown in the white-hot furnace, and they're going to be punished for not worshiping a false god. But they don't give in. Okay, and in the midst of the furnace, it's interesting because I I really want to to listen carefully to this prayer that Azariah says in the furnace. Okay, so this is in Daniel three and it's in Catholic Bibles, as it should be, because it's been in the scriptures um, for a long time (laughs) since the beginning in the church. It's the Catholic Church who, who put together the scriptures, and it was the, the bishops of the Catholic Church who recognized that this is authentically um, inspired by God. So, yes, this was part of the ancient Hebrew traditions, and it was there. And, and the church recognized that, yes, it is inspired by God. So, and they walked about in the midst of the flames, singing hymns to God and blessing the Lord. Now, these are three men in, thrown into a furnace, and the furnace has been heated white hot, seven times hotter, so much so that the men who were feeding the furnace were dying because it was so hot. There was so much heat coming out. Then Azariah stood and offered this prayer in the midst of the fire. Blessed are you, O Lord God of our fathers, and worthy of praise, and your name is glorified forever. 
For you are just in all you have done to us, and all your works are true, and your ways are right, and all your judgments are truth. You are you have executed true judgment in all that you have brought upon us and upon Jerusalem, the holy city of our fathers. For in truth and justice, you have brought all this upon us because of our sins. Now, this isn't the end of the hymn, but I want to stop here. First of all, what does he do? He says, but he's not, he's not sitting there in the furnace saying, but Lord, we were faithful. We didn't sin against you. We have been heroic in practicing the, you know, keeping the law and being faithful to you and praying. And why are you punishing us? And why are we suffering? No, he identifies himself <laughs> with his sinful people, the Amen. nation. He, and he, it's like Jesus. You know, it's like a prefigurement of Jesus. Jesus comes and he goes to John at the Jordan to be baptized, right? Why? Because he's a sinner? No. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was a sign that I was going to repent of my sins and change my life. Okay? But Jesus goes to be baptized. Why? Well, the fathers of the church tell us one reason was to sanctify all the waters of the earth so that they, they were worthy to be used to baptize people, but also because Jesus took upon himself our sins. So he, Jesus will suffer for us. And the same, if Ananias and Ezra and Mishael are taking on the sins of their people, the, the, sin, uh, the collective sin of Israel where they had turned away from God and worshiped false gods in Jerusalem. And so he's not complaining. He's praising God. Blessed are you, O Lord, God of our fathers and worthy of praise. And your name is glorified forever. And you are just in all that you have done to us. And all your works are true and your ways are right. And all your judgments are truth. You have executed true judgments in all that you have brought upon us and upon Jerusalem, the holy city of our fathers. For in truth and justice, you have brought all this upon us because of our sins. Now, we're all sinners. Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael didn't participate in the sin of idolatry, but we're all sinners. And they identify with their people, and they're, they're, they're acknowledging the goodness of God and his beauty. And I think this is instructive for us, especially in our times when there's so much confusion and so much darkness. And we want to say, where is God in all of this? Well, what if you were in the midst of a furnace that they had heated white hot? You know, where's God and all that? Yep. And they're blessing God and praising his holy name. And they're acknowledging that God's judgments are true. You know, if I'm being punished, if I'm, su- and, and by the way, suffering isn't necessarily a punishment for my sins. Suffering is a natural consequence of original sin. Yep. It's the fallout from original sin. And we all have original sin. So we all get to suffer. God didn't make it that way in the beginning. But our suffering becomes redemptive because the son of God became man and he took to himself human suffering. He really suffered. He really became a man, a human being. He had a human nature and in his human nature, he really suffered. And but he redeemed the meaning of human suffering. So they acknowledge the goodness of God. They acknowledge his beauty and truth and they acknowledge his righteousness and that his judgments are true. And that if we're suffering, then that suffering is a punishment for sin of some sort. Maybe my not, maybe not directly my sins. Maybe I haven't committed a moral sin by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And that would only be by the grace of God. But I, I have sinned nonetheless. So we repent of our sins. And then they go on. <clears throat> and this is, this is just amazing because remember, the three young men who are in this furnace, the young man leading this prayer is one who has not fallen into idolatry. He hasn't given up praying and he hadn't given up fasting and he hadn't 
given into living the pagan ways of the people who surrounded him. He's in exile in a foreign land and he's still being faithful to God. And he says, for we have sinfully and lawlessly departed from you and have sinned in all things and have not obeyed your commandments. We have not observed them or done them as you have commanded us that it might go well with us. So all that you have brought upon us and all that you have done to us, you have done in true judgment. So again, he identifies with his people, Azariah is identifying with the whole Jewish people. Not, not every single individual Jew has turned to idolatry, but as a nation, the leaders of the nation, the kings, the priests had turned to idolatry and they had led the people in idolatry. So now he's repenting and he's repenting on behalf of his whole nation. And we can do this. We can be intercessors. You know, in our times, we don't need to whine and cry about the evil. And by the way, I think there's a little bit too much focus going on on politicians. And, you know, it's, it's, and, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not against voting Democrats out of power because most Democrats, most of them, there's a few, very few, most of them get driven out of the party if they do are pro-life. If they get, if they, if it becomes known that they're pro-life, they, the Democratic Party usually um, de- drives them to get out. out. <laughs> but the deal is, it's not a red wave that we need. That's not what we need in our country. We need a repentance wave. We need a return to God wave. We need a Jesus wave. We need to restore the Lord God as the Lord of our lives, our individual lives and the life of our country. We need to stop sinning against God and offending him. And we need to do penance for the sins that are committed. Even if I didn't personally participate in those sins, even if I've been in the pro-life movement forever and have been fighting against abortion and against contraception and against all of the aspects of the culture of death, the pleasure culture, the do it, you know, have it your way. I deserve a break today. That's all part of the pleasure culture that says that the most important thing is my momentary pleasure. By the way, that's what's feeding the culture of death. All of that feeds into the culture of death because all of that degrades us as human beings. We are human made in God's image as persons to be loved, but to be images of God, living images of God here on this earth. We're supposed to image God and be the light to the world. (laughs) They're supposed to see Jesus in us. And so this is what Anani and Ezra and Michelle are saying. They're saying, Lord, your judgments are right. Your judgments are right, okay? And, and they go on to say, you've given us into the hands of the lawless enemies, right? The most hateful rebels. They were pagan. Babylonians were pagans and they worshiped false gods. And he said, we cannot open our mouths. Shame and disgrace have befallen your servants and worshipers. But then what does he say? For your name's sake, do not give us up utterly and do not break your covenant. And do not withhold your mercy from us for the sake of Abraham, your beloved, and for Isaac, your servant, and Israel, your holy one, to whom you promised to make their descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the shore of the sea. What is he appealing to? He's not appealing to his own righteousness. He's appealing to the to the righteousness of the name of God. For your name's sake, do not give us up forever. For your name's sake, O Lord, have mercy on us. But again, he's repenting first, isn't he? Yep. He repents. In the Gospels, whenever Jesus forgave a sinner, 
you know, or he would heal someone, he would say, go and sin no more. And, and, and you know, the blind man, he, he cures him. And then he says, don't, uh, the lame man, he cured the one, the one instance, he cures a lame man. And then the lame man's walking around in, in the temple and the, the scribes and Pharisees are like, you can't carry that mat around on the Sabbath. That's, that's wrong. You're breaking the Sabbath. And he said, well, the man who cured me told me to do it. And well, who cured you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. He just told me, get up and walk and carry your mat. So I did. And then Jesus finds him later in the temple and he says, now your, your sins have been forgiven. So repent so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man had been lame. Yeah. And, and so, and, and then we have to repent. We have to give up our sins. We can't, you know what? There's not room in our heart for both God and sin. It doesn't work. It's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. It's God or sin. Amen. We have to choose. We have to make the choice. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live in the slavery of sin? And it is slavery. Well said. I, I think of a quote from St. Thomas More. He says, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Yeah. You're listening to the Bible with the barbers. We'll be back with more. Don't forget to go to our website. Check out the Spiritual Warfare Conference, vmpr.org. Father Chad Ripperger and his crew are coming into town January 29th to 30th. Be right back, family. Stay with us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the first Friday of November, November 5th, 2021. And we're talking about repentance and the mercy that we receive when we repent. And I'm using as an example here the prayer of Azariah in the furnace from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Beautiful, beautiful prayer. And, and it's a prayer of repentance and a prayer of acknowledging that God is good. He is always good and his judgments are always true and right. So oftentimes when things go wrong, not according to our plans, we start complaining against God. Why are you doing this to us, Lord? Why did you let this happen? Why did that happen? You know, why did my brother get sick? Why is my sister in the hospital? Why did this person die? Why didn't that person get well? And, and it, you know, God is good. He desires only our salvation. He desires that we should live in union with him and know his love, really know his love, be faithful and keep his covenant. And and to keep the covenant means to live in his grace, to be possessed by God. God allows us to possess him through grace. In baptism, the Holy Trinity comes to live in us. God comes to dwell in us. He makes us his temples, temples of his Holy Spirit. But in Holy Communion, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who became man, gives himself to us as food for our soul and our body. He dwells in us and he wants to possess us, but God will not violate our will. We have to give him our will. And so we have to choose whether we're going to live as slaves of sin estranged from God, or whether we're going to live as friends of God in freedom. And there is no freedom in sinning. I mean, sin might feel good temporarily for a while, but it doesn't give you happiness and it makes you miserable. (laughs) So we're looking at this beautiful, beautiful prayer. And 
Again, these three young men who are in the furnace in Daniel 3, they haven't been unfaithful to the Lord, not deliberately. They have striven heroically to keep the the covenant and to be faithful to the Lord, to pray every day and to do all of the work they've been asked to do and to not neglect their duty. And not they didn't partake in the pagan sacrament. And the reason they're in the furnace is because they wouldn't worship the king as a god because he's not. The statue of the king was not a god. The king wasn't a god. And he, well, they weren't going to give into that. They weren't going to worship him as if he were. So now they're in the furnace and, and there they are. They should have been burning to death, right? So it says, he, he, Azariah goes on, For we, O Lord, have become fewer than any nation. And we are brought low in the world because of our sins. And at this time, there is no prince or prophet or leader, no burnt offering or sacrifice or oblation or incense, no place to make an offering before you and find mercy. Remember, they're in exile in Babylon. And when Nebuchadnezzar came down to Jerusalem to take it captivity, he burned the temple. He destroyed it. They have no place to offer sacrifice. But what is the sacrifice that they're going to they're going to offer? And this is so beautiful. And this is, you know, the grace of God. He shows his servants what he wants of them. Yet with a contrite heart and a humble spirit, may we be accepted as though it were burnt offerings of rams and bulls and with tens of thousands of fat lambs. Such may our sacrifice be in your sight this day. And may we wholly follow you. Holy, that is entirely W-H-O-L-L-Y. So here's the, here's the reality that it is the contrite heart and the humble spirit that are acceptable to God. We repent of our sins. And when we repent, that means we turn away from them and turn back to God and avoid the near occasion of sin. We want to avoid those things that lead us into sin. So we keep the Ten Commandments. I, we had an app listener question this week about mortal sin. What is mortal sin? Well, any deliberate, willful breaking of the Ten Commandments is a mortal sin. Now, don't, don't, don't tell your little six-year-old if they disobey you, that's a mortal sin. Because they're not doing it with a full, you know, they don't have the full knowledge of, um, it, it's, it's serious. It's not, you know, disobedience is not a little thing. And yes, you teach your children to obey. But remember, oftentimes our children are disobeying us, not necessarily out of contempt for the law. Okay, they're, they're disobeying us because they don't understand. And they're also disobeying us because they have emotions too, and they don't know how to guide and direct their emotions. So be very, very careful with children that you don't put too much of a burden on them too young. You can drive them away from the Lord because everything becomes a sin. And that's not true. Everything doesn't become a sin. Okay, in order for something to be, be a mortal sin, it has to be serious moral, moral evil. You have to know it's serious moral evil and you have to freely choose it. Okay, so for little children who are being disobedient, we're, we're trying to teach them. You need to obey. And there's a reason for that. We want to be obedient. We want to keep the commandments of God. Because first of all, it pleases God that we do that. But also, it makes us free, and it, it, it gives us the dignity of who we are. Free children of God, bought and prayed, paid for at a price, the price of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He shed every drop of his blood for us. So with contrite heart and humble spirit, let us be received. So we repent of our sins and, and don't make a compromise with any sin in your life. 
Not, not even little, you know, we say, oh, well, it was just a little white lie. Honey, a lie is a lie is a lie. A little white lie is a lie. We don't lie. You do not tell as true what you know to be false in order to deceive someone. No, you don't have to tell them anything if it's none of their business. And, and um, you, can re- you can withhold information from people that they don't have a right to know. You know, all your neighbors don't have a right to know all the ins and outs of your family. But you don't make up stories and you don't lie. There's no untruth in God. So any dishonesty is offensive to him. So we don't make a compromise with sin, not even with little sins. Remember, no number of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin. But you know what? Every sin that we deliberately commit darkens our intellect and weakens our will. It makes us stupid. It makes us weak. And it also makes us ugly because sin disfigures us, disfigures our soul. It disfigures the image of God in us. Mortal sin shatters it. Mortal sin kills the life of God in our soul. But there's repentance, always repentance. And that's what Ananias and Ezariah and Mishael in the furnace. Yet with contrite heart and humble spirit, may we be accepted as though it were burnt offerings of rams and bullocks and with tens of thousands of fat lambs. So may our sacrifice be in your sight this day. And may we follow you completely for there will be no shame for those who trust in you. Place all our trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thy understanding. We trust the Lord. I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in my own virtues or my own merits. I don't trust in my great intellectual knowledge or, or my wonderful insights and wisdom into the things that you know con, uh, confound others. No, everything that we have is a gift from God. If we're able to see, if we are able to have great insights, and then that's a gift from God. I remember one time a young person saying to me, you know, I really don't know how I know that. They didn't remember studying it anywhere, but, but they had an insight. I said, well, then that must be a gift from God. And when God has given you those kind of gifts, but he doesn't give that gift to everybody. A lot of people have to work really, really hard for any knowledge or wisdom that they gain. Some people, it's like it's just handed to them. Well, anyway, either way, whether we work hard for it or it's handed to us, it's a gift. Our life is a gift. That we exist is a gift. That we know God is a gift. And if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. That God exists is not an article of faith. It's a self-evident truth. Okay? You don't need faith to know that God exists. You do need faith to know that God is a trinity of persons. You do need faith to know that the second person of the Blessed Trinity became man and he died on the cross for our sins and he's our redeemer. Those things you need faith to know. So we want to be faithful to the Lord. We want to have that insight, but we want to be humble before him. Well, in the confusion in which we live right now, and remember, you know, the other people who followed God have had to live through confusing times. This in the book of Daniel, these young men, they were carried off into exile, into Babylon, and they're put into the service of the king. An enemy is an enemy of their people. He destroyed the temple. He probably killed their families. And now they're supposed to serve him. And they did. But they do it out of love for God and out of fidelity to the Lord. All right? And that's what we need to do. 
We need to stop looking at the politicians and looking to them for answers. Yeah, we need to fight for the freedom of this country. We need to fight for the things this country stands for. But we have to know that it's the grace of God that's going to change hearts. And that's what needs to change. We have to pray and do penance. We have to turn away from our sins like these young men. Lord, you have been just in all that you've done. Our country is falling apart and it is falling into the hands of socialistic, communistic ideas, atheistic, communistic ideas, that we can live without God, that we can choose what's right and wrong, that we can decide the commandments for ourselves, and that we don't have to obey the Ten Commandments that God gave us. Thou shalt not kill. You never have a right to take innocent human life. It's not a woman's right. It's not a doctor's right. It's not a father's right. It's not anybody's right to kill an innocent child. No one has a right to kill an innocent child. By the way, not through abortion, not through contraception. And we're not here to live for pleasure, which is what fosters this attitude. that The pleasure culture that I'm just here to be comfortable or live for myself or my own comfort, my own ease. You deserve a break today. Have it your way. You know, great, great advertising slogans for, for food, fast food places. Not so good for your spiritual life. As a matter of fact, they're devastating for your spiritual life. No, we don't deserve a break today. And no, we better not have it our way. We need to have it God's way. And we deserve to serve the Lord our God today and every day. And we have to be diligent in our service of the Lord. We can't give up. We can't slack off. So we have a little bit more here of this beautiful hymn of repentance of Azariah in the book of Daniel that we're looking at today. There's no mercy without repentance. We have to repent of our sins. So we repent of our sins and turn back to the Lord. Let's pray for our country and pray for each other. I hear the music. We'll be right back for the last session section of this show. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of November, November the 5th, 2021. And we're talking about um, mercy and repentance and the connection between the two. There's no mercy without repentance. If we don't ask God to forgive our sins, he won't forgive them because God will not save us against our own will. We have to turn to the Lord to be saved. We have to ask him for salvation. So we're talking, we were talking about the book of Daniel. In Daniel 3, you have this beautiful um, prayer of Azariah in the furnace. They've been thrown into the furnace because they're faithful to God. Ananiah, Azariah, Mishael, those were their Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their um, Babylonian names. And um, they're in this furnace, and they're praying to God in the midst of this furnace. And so finally, at the end of the prayer, Azariah says, and now with all our heart, we follow you and fear you and seek your face. Do not put us to shame, but deal with us in your forbearance and in your abundant mercy. Deliver us, according, deliver us in accordance with your marvelous works and give glory to your name, O Lord. Remember in the beginning of the hymn, he said that for the sake of the glory of your name, do not deliver us up to ever, forever. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first petition, that God's name be hallowed, that his kingdom would come and his will be done. 
Let all those who do harm to your servants be put to shame, and let them be disgraced and deprived of all power and dominion, and let their strength be broken. Let them know that you are the Lord, the only God, glorious over the whole world. And of course, that's very appropriate because what had happened is Nebuchadnezzar had set up this statue of himself that everybody was supposed to worship. No, the Lord is the Lord, only one Lord. And this idea of repentance, is it true that just repenting is enough? Are our prayers enough of a sacrifice to God? Well, it's interesting because in Acts 10, verse 4, the angel of the Lord comes before Cornelius. Remember Cornelius? And um, he says, Cornelius is in terror. And he says, what is it? And the angel says to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms. He gives to the poor. Cornelius is a good man. He's a good man who's trying to keep the law of the Lord. He's trying to be faithful, even though he's not a Christian or a Jew. Okay? And he's a centurion. And so that's he was the one that they, he, the angel tells him to send to Joppa and, and have Peter come. And Peter preaches the gospel to him. And Cornelius' household received the Holy Spirit before they received baptism. So... God can do whatever he wants, but he has his normal. He, he also sets up a normal way of working and he asks us to work in the normal, the normal fashion. And then also in the book of Sirach, we have, um, what is it? Sirach 35. He who keeps the law makes many offerings. He who heeds the commandments sacrifices a peace offering and who returns in kindness offers fine, fl fine flour and he who gives alms sacrifices a thank offering. To keep from wickedness is pleasing to the Lord. And to forsake unrighteousness is atonement. So yeah, in the book of Sirach, again, is there somewhere else in the Bible where we talk about repentance is the condition for mercy? And yes, it, without repentance, how can we have mercy? We have to repent. So we, we, he who keeps the law makes many offerings. It's not, you know, sometimes we think it's everything. It's what we do. We have to earn God's love. We have to do, do, do. We have to, you know, the go-go's. Bishop Sheen used to say one of the problems in our world is we have too many go-go's and not enough come-comes. When Jesus called his apostles, he doesn't tell them to go. He says, come, come and follow me. When he turns around and see Andrew following him, he, and Andrew says, where, he, he says, what is it you want? And he says, Lord, where do you stay? And he says, come and see. Come to the Lord. See who he is. Spend time with him. Get to know him. And then once you have come to know the Lord, once he has become the reason for your existence, once he has filled your heart with his presence, then that's when we can go out and bring the Lord to others. But if we don't spend time with the Lord, if we don't give up our sins and turn away from our wickedness, the Lord can't fill us. There's not enough room in our hearts for sin and the Lord. We have to choose. We have to choose between one or the other. And we can repent. And we can repent. And that's, you know, again, to keep from wickedness is pleasing. And to forsake unrighteousness is atonement. So if I forsake unrighteousness, that's atonement. Remember the thief on the cross, the good thief. In the end, he says to the thief who's, already, who's still reviling Jesus, he says, 
Have you no fear of God, seeing that you are under the same sentence? This man has done nothing wrong. We're only paying the price for our crimes. And he looks at Jesus and he just says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And what does Jesus say to him? This day you shall be with me in paradise. Yes, when we repent of our sins and truly turn to the Lord and give them up. You know, Ignatius Press is publishing a book about Charles de Foucault, and they asked Terry to proofread it. And the thing that's coming out in the book is that, you know, when at the age of about 15, Charles de Foucault lost his faith. And he started living a very decadent and debaucherous life. His parents had, his grandparents, he was raised by his god grandparents, they had a lot of money. But the deal was, before he was 15, Charles had started reading books that were not good. And books that, uh, some of them, and I'm not sure exactly the nature of the books, but they weren't good. I don't know if they were against the faith or if they were against morality or both. But by the time he's 15, they had led them, they had these, these ideas had led him away from God. Ideas have consequences. Don't think, you know, we, we have to be very careful that we don't allow our entertainments and our, um, comfort and our ease and our desire for pleasure to lead us away from the Lord. We need to come back to the Lord. We need to live a disciplined, mortified life for the love of the Lord. We need to make love of God and neighbor the foundation of our life. And that means, you know, God forgives me my sins. That means I'm willing to forgive others. Remember as children, we learned the act of love. Oh my God, I love you above all things with my whole heart and soul. I love my neighbor as myself for the love of thee. I forgive all those who have injured me and I ask pardon for all whom I have injured. We need to repeat this often and remember that our repentance brings glory to God. There is more joy in heaven over one repentant sinner, we read in the gospel, than over 99 righteous who have no need to repent. Don't turn away from God. Don't turn to sin. Don't allow yourself to be enslaved by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And don't allow yourself to be overcome by the darkness and the trials of our age. It's a dark time. There's a lot of confusion. Truth doesn't seem to have any sort of place in our world today. Anything, anything but the truth, anything but the truth, anything's tolerable except the truth. We can tolerate death. We can tolerate lies. We can tolerate stealing and debauchery and, and public, you know, public, what do they call it? Reverie, you know, sinning in public. But, but the truth, oh no, 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 no. If you tell the truth, you know, then, then you're a terrorist. Well, you know, Jesus was put to death because he told the truth. Anyone committed to the truth, hears my voice. So let's be committed to the truth and let's truly repent before God. Let's have the attitude of, of Azariah in the furnace that, you know what, it's not all those people out there who have sinned and they're doing all kinds of wrong things and that's why we're all suffering. Like, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember the publican and the Pharisee and they went up to the temple and the Pharisee goes up front, oh Lord, I'm so wonderful and good and I fast three times a week and I give alms and oh, all these wonderful things I do for you. And the publicans in the back, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And who went home justified? The publican in the back, not the Pharisee in the front. 
So we don't need to get up on our high horses before God. We don't need to tell him how good we are. But we do need to be honest. Lord, I need your help. I'm confused. I live in a dark world. I feel a great sadness. I feel a great anger. People want to kill little children one way or the other. (laughs) One way or the other. Or they want to deprive them of family life, which is killing them emotionally and spiritually, if not physically. But when a child is deprived of family life, they oftentimes will die young. We need to turn to the Lord and repent. We need to repent of our desire to just live for comfort, of our desire to just live for getting along with everyone around us, of our desire to live for convenience, of our desire to just get along and not create any waves. We need to repent of our own preconceived notions of how things ought to be. And by the way, we're all going to die someday. None of us gets out of it alive. The question is, at the moment of death, will will we be ready to meet God? Well, the best way to prepare for that is to get ready today. I only have today. There's no guarantee that I will be alive tomorrow. None. There's no guarantee. Any one of us could die at any moment. We don't know the day or the hour. And so we need to live in the presence of God today. We need to be faithful to him today. And like Azariah in the furnace, we need to say, Lord, have mercy on us today for the sake of the glory of your name, O Lord. Do not deliver us up forever. Please deliver us from the culture of death in which we are living. And we are living in a culture of death. And it seems like death is gaining more and more people and and dominating more and more people. Remember, sin is death. It's death to the soul. You know, it's interesting. We're all worried about, oh, my, my, my brother might die of COVID or my sister might die of COVID or, or my, this one might die of this or that one might die of that. What about mortal sin? Are we warning our friends and neighbors that, you know what, sin kills your soul? We want to repent of our sins and turn back to the Lord so that the Lord can bless us with his mercy and his goodness and his truth so that we can see what is good and true and beautiful and live with God forever in heaven. And the hour just seems to go too fast. But I thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. I thank all of those of you who are supporting us financially, all of those of you who are praying for us, and especially those of you who are offering your sufferings for us. There's the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up in January. Please sign up for that. And um, I don't think we have any other conferences before that, but hopefully I'll remember next week. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the little radio stations that pick us up. For all of those who have listened to this show, you like it, share it, get your friends and family to listen to it, and share Virgin Most Powerful Radio with everyone you know. Keep us in your prayers, please. And remember that you are loved by God. You are made in his image as a person to be loved. You are precious and dear to him.